today, which means we're going to have to um, appoint an acting chairperson for the meeting. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask for nominations, and um, that nomination will be seconded or objected to. So if there's um, no objection, and ben? Uh, yes, sir. Hello. Who, who, who is uh, going to flight the presentation for us? Um, the NPA will have to decide on a person to do that. Whom have you issued the right? We haven't issued any rights yet. They will have to tell us who needs to flight the presentation. Can I proceed? Yes, sir. Yes, Ben. Oh, okay. Um, I was still saying if there are other nominations, we'll hear that. If there are no other nominations, then the nominated person will have to take the seat. So if we can get on with it, can I ask for nominations for the chairpersonship? Chet. Good morning, my hand is up, Mamtolashi, please. Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't notice that. All right, go ahead, ma'am. Thanks, Chair. Good morning to you. Good morning, colleagues and everybody in the meeting. I nominate the name of Honorable Somio to please chair the meeting today. Thank you. All right, any objections? Any secondment to that? Chair. Yes, ma'am. I second the proposal of Comrade Tomio to, to be the chairperson of this meeting. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Are there any further nominations? It doesn't look that way. All right. Uh, Mr. Somio, then uh, we're in your hands. You are duly nominated as acting chairperson for today. So we're in your hands, if you can take over. Thank you. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we um, express the fact that uh, the chair uh, has uh, apologized for a few um, an hour or so. Uh, he might uh, come back while we are continuing with the meeting. Um, I will appreciate that uh, colleagues have uh, made the choice for me to stand in for the chairperson uh, up until he, he arrives. Uh, the meeting today is supposed to be briefed uh, by uh, the NPA uh, mainly uh, on matters that relate to finalized uh, investigations uh, by the SIU. I would um, have loved to see how far they've gone through those uh, finalized reported instances, uh, which relate to uh, cases which have been gazetted uh, for the SIU's investigation. So you are more than welcome. And uh, we hope that the presentation is going to take us through uh, such uh, required elements. You are welcome from the NPA. Um, 
is uh, the head Mamupitul uh, present? Yes, Chair, I am. I have my video on as well. I'm not sure okay. if you see. Okay, you're more than welcome. Huh? So, so can we uh, allow uh, you and your team to uh, start with the presentation, uh, specifically yourself, if you want to make any uh, points of uh, introduction or you are going to make that presentation, but dependent on you. Thank you, Thank you Honorable Chair. Uh, good morning, um, Chair, Honorable Members. Um, I see my colleague Edgar Mutigbi, head of SIU, is present. Um, I wasn't, I didn't realize SIU would be in this presentation with us. So um, let me um, introduce my team. Um, and if Advocate de Kock, um, who is the head of the NPS, um, also the um, uh, deputy national director, and his team. Um, Advocate Rabaji Rastaba, who is the head of the asset forfeiture unit, um, and um, Advocate uh, Duplessis, who is the head of our strategy operations compliance, might be online with his team for any questions uh, later. Um, Chair, um, that is my team, Advocate Rabaji. I don't know if, if you can uh, show your face on Priya's laptop. It will be great just to... Um, so that the committee can see you. Um, I don't know that your video is on, Priya. It is on. Okay, great. Um, so, honorable chair, honorable members, uh, those are the four, um, the three deputy national directors that are in this presentation with me and their teams. Um, so, chair, um, let me first uh, apologize that we submitted our presentation. Um, uh, a little late. Um, it was sent yesterday. Um, we we were uh, we had a three day uh, strategic uh, implementation session, um, planning and implementation session last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where most of colleagues that would have been involved in this were 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 busy with that. Um, so you know we had uh, our main focus for the next six months which is emerge i mean there are many many focuses that the npa has many priorities because uh, the work from the siu um, is one one small aspect of even the corruption work that we are dealing with um, i'm not sure what's happened are you can you still Ayani, you are sharing a screen, your screen, if you put, or are you, are you putting the presentation? Are you going to be sharing the presentation, Yani? That's correct, NDPP. The, okay. uh, we've been requested to, to flight the presentation yes. from the MPS offices. Okay, thank you. That's perfect. So if we could just hold it on, on this uh, slide for now, and I'll ask you when to move. These are just my opening introductory comments. Um, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, the, the um, briefing to SCOPA is appreciated. Um, it's an important parliamentary oversight role um, that um, the committee plays, um, and we very much appreciate the opportunity to report to SCOPA. As I was saying, um, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, the work of the SIU is just a fraction of the work, even that relating to corruption, um, that the, the NPA does with, with so many priorities. But we have decided that the top priority for the next six months is going to be focusing 
um, on corruption. And I'm, I'm certainly hoping that that colleagues in the um, our our in in the committee would have noticed that you know the wheels of justice um, are beginning to turn with regard to corruption. Um, we are beginning to move um, slightly more quickly. We certainly not. Uh, there have been a couple of notable arrests and processes initiated in recent weeks, um, also with regard to to public uh, and private sector corruption. The 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 case of the Tonga Hewlett matter in KZN. Um, so these are, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that is an indication that the wheels of justice are turning. It's been a very, I mean, I've I've been in office for three years on the first of February, and it's been an extremely challenging three years. Um, we were certainly hoping that we would be uh, a little more down the line um, in terms of, uh, you know, the cases and and bringing cases to court. But what is what is very clear is that even though we're not where we want to be, we are far from where we started, and so you know we are. There's been a lot of work that has gone in the past three years, and there's still a lot of work to happen in the, the primary challenges. And I'll talk about in a minute relating to resourcing capacity, etc. But one of the important issues is that we now have a full leadership team at the at the helm of the NPA. And, and a leadership team um, that is strongly committed to the rule of law, to accountability, and to ensuring that we we bring we we hold people accountable not just for corruption but for all of the the, the cases and the, the different crime types that the NPA has to deal with. So, um, honourable chair, honourable colleagues, the NPA is is a lead player. In, in, a, in our national efforts, effort to deal with all of these damaging crimes. But as you know, we work within a broader law enforcement and a criminal justice system. And you know, it, is, it is really as strong as the weakest link. And in as much as we work closely with, with colleagues and, and the NPA itself is, is not as strong as we would like it to be, we are getting there, we are on a, on a road, but we've got to take a holistic approach to reform and improvements that are needed in the broader criminal justice system. We certainly need better coordination. We need more effective alignment of our performance indicators and various processes. We do need to all act with a joint sense of urgency. The rule of law in South Africa, I think, I think is, is, is on life support at the moment, and we need to address this now. And in order to do this in the criminal justice system, we need to actually draw on each other's strengths we need to draw and we need to respect the legal mandates of all of us within the criminal justice system, which are very different in terms of roles, but complementary. And so, you know, whilst internal competition can be healthy, we need to ensure that we are all pulling in the same direction in order to achieve the shared goals, to, to make accountability a norm and not the exception. And that's critically important. So in this regard, I do engage regularly with my counterparts on this efforts, including with the SIU through various fora. In fact, just about um, three weeks ago, we had a, a principals meeting of the head of the FI SIU, the head of the Financial Intelligence Center, Advocate Kanyile, the head of the DPCI, General Libya, the head of SARS, well, uh, Commissioner Kiesvetter was not here, but his acting commissioner was there and myself, the five of us, as a key law enforcement principles in terms of dealing with accountability. And the whole purpose of that 
was to really try to enhance the collaboration amongst law enforcement stakeholders. So it's really important that we work together. The public needs to understand our various roles and, and we should not allow you know, any kinds of false narrative in the media that pegs us against each other. But we really need to highlight even ourselves, the unique and important contributions that each of us makes in this important fight. So very, very briefly, uh, because we are here to brief um, the committee on the SIU referrals in particular, to mention that the NPN and the SIU are governed by different acts. And so we therefore operate under very different legal regime and mandates. SIU, of course, governed by the SIU Act and is mandated to investigate maladministration in state institutions and municipalities. And so its mandate is to provide um, investigations primarily for the purposes of civil recovery. And so the police and the NPA are mandated to conduct criminal prosecutions. And, and, and these, there's, a, there's a big difference between civil prosecutions that are civil in, investigations that are civil in nature and investigations that are criminal in nature. And it's it, it is an important difference to understand. And the fact that the burden of proof in, 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 in civil investigations is on a balance of probabilities. However, the burden of proof on the NPA in criminal investigations is beyond a reasonable doubt, which is a much higher standard of proof. But beyond these, these mandate differences, it's important to note that the, the referrals from the NPA, from, sorry, from the, N, from the SIU are matters that in terms of the SIU Act, they are required to refer matters to the NPA. Now, you know, that in itself is something we need to look at changing in terms of legislation because the NPA does not do criminal investigations. Although now with the recent uh, proclamation of the ID, there, is, there are some matters that the SIU has been seized with that the ID is dealing with where they do have, of course, the mandate to investigate criminally. But most of the matters that are referred to the NPA creates the impression that they are ready for prosecutions and that the NPA must now take a decision to prosecute. But that is not the case. In as much as the work of the SIU is very important in terms of the link between the work that they did and the criminal investigations that must follow, it's really, really important. They, we basically, what we do in the NPA is we forward these matters to the DPCI to investigate. And in our, in our meetings, in order to enhance collaboration, we did discuss, and the SIU is now actually, I'm not sure if it's in all matters, but in certainly uh, they are also forwarding matters to not just referring them to the NPA, which is literally like a post box to send it to the DPCI. They are also sending the matters to the DPCI um, in order to, to expedite the matters. And so, you know, we, we do feel that legislative changes are required in order to address this so that referrals to the NPA are not necessary, but referrals to investigative agencies becomes the norm, which could be the ID as well as the DPCI. And so um, we, we do need to actually, you know, it, it even has an impact on AFU, as you will see, because investigations done by the, 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 I, the SIU has certain powers to do civil recovery processes. 
And so you'll find that a number of the, the asset recovery is, uh, uh, well, cases that have asset recovery potential are actually dealt with in the SIU before they come to the NPA. So therefore you'll find that there's a very low uh, figure for asset recovery with regard to SIU matters in the NPA, but that the, the matters are being dealt with in the SIU. So we need to look at this in a holistic, holistic way. Um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, before I hand over to, to my colleagues to delve into the details of NPA engagement with SIU matters, let me just highlight one or two important new developments um, that in the NPA, um, you know, that relate to intensifying our focus to deal with corruption in particular. Um, firstly, uh, you know, we have an exciting new era in the investigating directorate. Um, as the, I, the President said in SONA, the ID is now poised to deliver on its mandate. It's been a very, very difficult and tough time trying to capacitate um, and set up the ID. It's been a very challenging first phase. The challenges are not by any way over, um, but certainly it's, you know, the, the, the fact that the Zondo Commission is now winding up its work, and in fact, this final report will be with us at the end of February, has actually um, a number of resources are being migrated to the ID as well, which is certainly boosting, will certainly boost its capacity to be to be able to deal with these cases, certainly much more effectively. We are looking forward to, um, they've moved into a new building. We're looking forward to a new leader in the end, to, uh, to clear strategies and, and case plans, et cetera. And so I, I really find that the second phase of the ID is certainly a, a very exciting one and hopefully uh, we will be able to demonstrate this in terms of cases that are coming to court. Um, but as I said, we still certainly face challenges, including the current legal framework relating to the ID, uh, lack of specialized resources uh, in the NPA. And we really need to look at um, moving the, the, the moving, moving faster to the point where we do have a full and effective prosecution-led model in terms of dealing with high-profile um, high and complex corruption matters. We also need to be bold and innovative in how we, we get our additional skills. So, you know, we, we need to look at, at, you know, recruiting. Recruiting in government is really difficult. And so, you know, we need to look at, as I said, we are getting on onboarding Zondo resources, but we also need to be bold and innovative in terms of how we get resources into uh, the law enforcement space and the skills to be able to do what we need. Procurement processes are really slow in government. And so, you know, in the NPA, we are certainly, and, and so South Africa doesn't have the money. We have a serious crisis with money. So in the NPA, we are certainly looking at being more innovative in terms of how we onboard resources, even looking at engaging with with private sector, uh, working through national treasury, and also putting in place the required safeguards to, to ensure that the objectivity and the independence of the NPA is certainly not in any way compromised. Um, we're also looking at, not looking at, we've already sent to the DG of Justice, who as you know, is still the accounting officer of the NPA, which <laughs> presents its own challenges, but we've sent to the DG and the minister very strong proposal to set up a donor oversight mechanism um, in order to ensure that there's proper oversight with regard to any donations that the, 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 the NPA may receive, both in terms of skills, 
or financial assistance, and which, as I said, in terms of financial assistance, which will go through National Treasury. So we really need to, to look at how we can leverage the support that we need, which law enforcement doesn't have, but at the same time, ensuring that we protect our independence and objectivity. Um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, I'm going to now hand over to Advocate Rodney de Kock, who will take you through uh, the next part of the presentation. Um, Advocate de Kock. Thank you very much, uh, NDPP. Good morning, uh, Chairperson. Uh, good, morning, good morning, Honorable Members um, and other colleagues uh, present on the platform. Um, just picking up from where the where the NDPP uh, has left off, if we can turn to the next slide, please. Um, it's important that we just spend a little bit of time um, highlighting the process and the methodology that is followed in relation to SIU investigations and investigative reports that are referred to the MPA. Um, and and we, we start by referencing Section 41D of the SIU Act uh, that indicates that during an investigation of any matter in terms of the SIU Act, wherein the evidence collected points to the possible commission of an offence, and that's, that's our emphasis, the possible commission of an offence, that the matter be referred to the MPA as soon as practicable. So, so this is at the heart of the issue in relation to our relationship with the SIU. And of course, we have a very good collaborative relationship with the SIU, the DPCI and other colleagues. Um, as the NDPP indicated, we, we wish to enhance that relationship. And so some of the, uh, the issues we have identified is that the MPA needs to be involved much earlier um, in the in investigative processes of the SIU as far as possible. Um, uh, so that we don't have a scenario that the, that the SIU investigates for six months and then submits a report to the MPA. So those are some of the things that we uh, have incorporated into a proposed MOU uh, that is being uh, 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 worked on between ourselves, the SIU, the DPCI, and the South, and the South African Police Services. Um, the status of that MOU is that the South African Police Services through the National Commissioner has requested time to consult fully with the DPCI in terms of their roles and, and mandates. Um, and that process has not been finalized. Uh, but this continues on an urgent basis because we believe that once we have settled the MOU, that this will inform a better enhanced working methodology. Uh, between ourselves and, and all the other role players and the critical agencies. So on receipt of a, a referral, a report from the head of the SIU to the MPA, um, this report is forwarded to a relevant director of public prosecutions who has the authority to prosecute in a particular division of the country, as, as we are aware. And so, so the report would come to our national office um, into the prosecution services, and then it is, uh, then it is um, sent uh, to a director of public prosecutions. 
Um, the Director of Public Prosecutions refers this to the relevant Special Commercial Crimes Unit in the division and to the Asset Forfeiture Unit in the division. Now, the NDPP has indicated that in many of these investigations, the SIU has already initiated civil recovery processes in terms of their legislation, which gives a, a, a lesser opportunity for our asset forfeiture unit uh, to find potential in terms of asset recovery. And that is also an issue uh, that is up for discussion uh, in a collaborative way uh, with the SI, SIU. So the SECU regional head allocates a prosecutor to the, to the matter, and the DPCI registers the case docket and allocates an investigating officer. And here we then follow the PGI methodology, which is the prosecuted guided investigation approach, where there's a consultative process that happens between the prosecutor and the investigator. And of course, the SIU investigators are also consulted and, and as far as possible are brought on board as far as this approach is concerned. Now, it's important also to highlight, Chairperson, that further to any of the evidence or statements that the SIU may have obtained in a particular matter, additional evidence has to be obtained uh, by the DPCI uh, or the SAPs for court readiness. So examples of this would include forensic audit reports. And often this is a very complicated involved process, both in terms of uh, getting authorizations uh, for the appointment of forensic auditors. As we know, there is no internal capacity within the state currently to do these uh, com complex forensic audits. Uh, it has to be outsourced uh, to private uh, uh, forensic firms. And this is done through the South African Police Services subject to their own uh, regulatory processes. Uh, there are cash flow reports that may be required. We need authorizations uh, from magistrates to obtain uh, bank statements in relation to relevant uh, uh, persons. Um, uh, and, and so a, a number of investigative aspects needs to be done um, over and above the work that the SIU may have done. And, and then again, just to emphasize, as the NDPP has said, the SIU's investigation is really directed for a different purpose. And it's directed to address maladministration and, and the question of, 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 of civil uh, uh, recovery. Um, so furthermore, the SIU mostly cover legislative contributions and not offenses such as money laundering, fraud, and theft. And to the extent that a report may highlight these aspects, those matters need to be investigated afresh uh, from a criminal point of view. So case dockets become larger and investigations become much more complex than what is contained in initial SIU referrals. Audit reports in some instances contain 75 uh, and more uh, arch lever files that has to be studied compared to statements and dockets in each case docket, which of course is very time consuming. If we can move to the next slide, please. So that is the background in terms of which uh, referrals are made to the MPA and the process 
of collaboration between ourselves, the SIU investigators and the DPCI. So the next slide that we wish to uh, present is uh, the progress on referrals uh, based on the methodology that I have just outlined uh, to, the, to the committee. So currently, according to our records at the national office, um, and, and these are manual records that we keep, it's subject uh, to, to, to certain uh, uh, additions or changes, uh, but this is what we currently uh, put forward as the information contained in our, in our registers. Um, under investigation is 1,098 matters. And as you can see in the top graph, uh, these are with the DPCI. Um, we have declined to prosecute through our directors of public prosecutions and through our heads of our special commercial crimes units. We have declined to prosecute 253 um, matters. And I was, want to stop at that at this point for a, for a little while. This figure indicates that it is not in all matters that prosecutors are making decisions to prosecute. It's a very important uh, figure to reflect upon. So after an investigation and a referral, the prosecutor comes to the conclusion that there is not sufficient evidence in that particular matter to, to proceed with the prosecution, which demonstrates that, it's, that we should not assume because there is a referral to the MPA that there should automatically be a prosecution. And this demonstrates the importance of a thorough investigation being done, which is both in the public interest and both part of an important mandate of the, of the prosecutor to be objective in terms of how it evaluates its evidence. I think this is important for us to reflect upon that the work of the MPA must be unbiased and we need to retain our objectivity at all costs to ensure that justice is done at the end of the day in respect of all matters that are referred to the MPA. So currently there are 41 cases on our court roads. Um, according to the information, I've received 41 uh, guilty pleas. There are 23 other accused in court and there are eight warrants of arrest uh, that have been authorized. And in the MPA environment currently, two matters are currently with us for decision. So again, a reflection that the bulk of the matters are under investigation. And currently there are two matters that are being attended to uh, by prosecutors for, for, for decision. So, uh, Chairperson and honorable members of the, of the committee, uh, the next slide it, it tries to set out the, the spread of where the SIU matters are located throughout the country, um, based on the information that I've just provided to you. So as you can see, according to our, inform our consolidated information, we have 13 matters uh, which are under consideration by our AFU head office. Um, and, and one relates to uh, an investigation by the DPCI uh, national office. Then 
um, in the DPCI regional offices, which are working closely uh, with the bulk of the work uh, in the provinces. And there again, I emphasize, this is under the jurisdiction of a director of public prosecutions in each division uh, of the prosecuting authority at each seat of the High Court. So in the Eastern Cape, there are 56 matters. Eastern Cape and Tata, 11 matters. Free State, 19. The Investigating Directorate, 14. Johannesburg, 79. KZN, 80. Limpopo, 44. Mpumalanga, 5. Uh, Northern Cape Division, 1. Northwest, 12. Uh, Pretoria, 98. SCCU Head Office of the MPA, 6 and the Western Cape, uh, 46. Uh, and so you can see the bulk of the work is contained in about uh, six uh, divisions uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the MPA. Um, and, the, and the work, again, I emphasize, are being done through our Special Commercial Crimes Unit. These are the most senior prosecutors uh, in the MPA who are seized with commercial and corruption work. So the work is allocated to the best crop of prosecutors who are able to do commercial work um, in, 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 in our courts. And, and they're getting the best attention that we currently have, subject to, of course, uh, the workload that these prosecutors are seized with. And I, and I wish to pause here, um, um, uh, Chairperson. Prosecutors in the MPA, in particular in our commercial and our corruption um, uh, unit, um, are not just doing SIU work. They are doing all complex corruption work. And this was something that we had to address when we came um, on board into the national office of the, of the, of the MPA, because we found that these prosecutors were doing a lot of work, but a lot of cases uh, were taking up too much of their time. And so what we had to do strategically was to refocus those commercial uh, crime prosecutors to doing the most complex work in the, in, 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 the, in the MPA and in the country. So this is still work in progress. And of course, they work with the DPCI and they work with other law enforcement agencies uh, like the SIU and like the South African Re uh, Revenue Services. But the simple point I'm emphasizing is that there are huge volumes of cases um, which are very complex uh, that are attended to uh, by these prosecutors. So I wanted to give a snapshot of our SCU court roles. So as the committee is aware, there are dedicated courts that have been set up to deal with corruption and commercial work. The challenge, of course, is that because of the volumes of, 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 of cases that have, that have come to the MPA, um, these court roles in themselves uh, becomes a challenge to manage uh, because, because of the simple amount and the volumes of cases that are being brought to the court. So if we take a snapshot of the period uh, 2019 uh, to December 2021, you will see that the, the Manhattans indicate on the left-hand column the total outstanding role at that particular month. 
And then on the right-hand column, um, the number of corruption cases that was on that courtroom. And so you may ask, what is the rest of those cases all about? The rest will be cases relating specifically to commercial work. So this will be your general commercial work of, of a general nature, complex, that is also on that court role. And bear in mind that one court is being managed by one magistrate. These are regional courts that have one magistrate. In some of our bigger divisions, like Johannesburg, we have two SSU courts. And in Cape Town, we've got two SSU courts. But the bulk of our, our commercial courts in our, in our, in our magistrates' uh, uh, districts and, and offices, uh, you have a single commercial court. So, so these are some of the challenges that impacts on the prosecutor's ability to finalize a case speedily. Because each case is competing with another case uh, for court time, and we have to manage our court time very carefully. And so this is part of the process of the prosecutors. But of course, the prosecutor is not in control of the court. The judicial officer is in control of the court. And, uh, and of course, there are defense lawyers as well who participate in those court proceedings defending um, the accused that we bring to court. So all of this impacts on our ability uh, and how fast we can, we can finalize a case. So if we, if we bring our attention back to the graphs, you will notice that when we started uh, this count in April 2019, there were 369 corruption cases on all of the court rolls in the SSU courts in the country. And if you follow the pattern um, over the, uh, the, the two years, you will consistently see an increase in the number of corruption cases that are brought onto the court rolls. And so if you go to December 20, uh, 2021, last year, you will now see that we have 821 corruption matters on our court rolls. Now, again, to go back to our methodology, this will then be cases that have been fully investigated and that the prosecutor have now decided to proceed with the prosecution. So you will see this this picture gives you a great sense of the work that the prosecutors are doing as far as corruption is concerned. And it shows and it demonstrates, and the SIU work is included in this, it demonstrates our ability to bring these cases to court and that we're certainly taking our mandate in terms of prosecutions very, very seriously. If we can move to the next slide, colleagues. So one of the innovative uh, uh, measures that we put into place, and when we came to SCOPA last year, we did talk about the Fusion Center. Um, reference was also made to the Fusion Center um, in the State of the Nation address. So the Fusion Center is work in progress. And at the outset, we also recognize that we are still building our collaboration and coordination um, uh, to enhance its effectiveness within the Fusion Center. But we do believe that the Fusion Center provides a good way of us trying to approach our work in a multi-agency system like South Africa has. And you will recall, Chairperson, in, in terms of the developmental plan, 
a multi-agency approach was adopted by our country in terms of our approach to deal with with corruption uh, in the country. And so this is what we have to work work with de facto um, um, in terms of trying to get our agencies to collaborate and to strengthen our collaboration. So the Fusion Center is a good model, additional model to that, and we're learning a lot of lessons from it. And so as at the last date uh, that we received a report from the FIC, and these are objective reports that are submitted by the FIC uh, on our behalf and kept by the FIC on our behalf, these reports are updated on a weekly and then on a monthly basis. So as at the 3rd of February 2022, um, there were 187 incidents under investigation related to the PPE investigations. And remember, the Fusion Center was set up specifically to deal with the COVID-19 related corruption. 187 under investigation, 45 of those were closed. And just to remind the committee that all incidents, as soon as something was reported, even in a newspaper, it was referred to the Fusion Center. And the colleagues would do a preliminary investigation to determine if there's substance uh, to the allegations that were made. So that's what the, what the 45 means closed. It meant that, that they found that there wasn't sufficient substance to proceed further with any investigation in relation to those 45 matters. Um, then matters that are currently under investigation, 137. Of those investigations, 51 have been closed. 51 matters are in court. There are 104 accused persons currently before our courts. Um, 17 matters have been finalized in court. Uh, convictions have been obtained in 16 with one acquittal, which is a 99% conviction rate or 90 plus percent conviction rate. It accords well with our conviction rate in our commercial crimes court because currently the MPA is achieving a 90% conviction rate in relation to commercial work and corruption work. So it shows the effectiveness of our approach. And although the process is slow, and although we have challenges, what it does demonstrate is the quality of the work that we are able to bring before our courts. Um, under very difficult circumstances, all of these accused are represented in the majority of instances by very, very senior lawyers. And so we need to, be, we need to commend the prosecutors for this kind of outcomes that we get in our courts. Um, as far as the FIC freezing of bank accounts, uh, 23, um, uh, 271 million. The AFU recoveries through poker at the Fusion Center, uh, there are 27, 170 million. And the SIU recoveries through the tribunal is 24 is 460 million. So once again, um, Chairperson and members of the committee, you see the interrelationship between the SIU, the AFU, the FIC and SARS that has a recovery rate of two, uh, 727 million. What this demonstrates is that collaboration works. What this demonstrates is that the uh, uh, development plan that has mandated us to forge this multi-agency working relationship through law enforcement in South Africa, that this is the outcomes that we are able to achieve. And every amount that has been collected by every agency under this heading is a victory for law enforcement in our country. We shouldn't look at these figures in isolation. 
we should look at these figures as a combination of the efforts of law enforcement in our country that are working in a collaborative approach to deal with, uh, with corruption uh, in our country. So just then to emphasize in conclusion on this slide, the deployment of the multidisciplinary and integrated approach, that is the methodology we, we are working with. We are strengthening that methodology and we believe a lot of more work can happen. The MPA is going on the strategic path in the next six months to focus and reprioritize our work on corruption. So we are very confident that many, many more cases are gonna be brought onto our, our court roles. Um, if we can move to the next slide. Uh, so similar to uh, the SIU referrals, the fusion center incidents in various matters are closed without any criminal case docket being registered. I've emphasized that point before. And even after a case docket has been registered, several matters are closed without sufficient evidence to proceed. And that is how the law works. And so when we see those kinds of outcomes, it actually reflects that we are doing our work uh, correctly. Uh, I think I've dealt with, with the rest of the points. Uh, if we can move quickly to the next slide. This is just in terms of the ACTT priority cases. Um, and again, uh, this is again a, a collaborative approach. And these are the cases that all law enforcement agencies are working on. And out of these matters, we will notice uh, that 25 matters in total uh, from the SIU have been dealt with um, over, over, over this period uh, since 2014. And so that those are the top priority matters. If we can move to the next slide. Um, this is just to indicate the capacity that we have within our commercial crimes units, uh, Chairperson and honorable members. Uh, as I've indicated, there's a close monitoring of SIU cases. Um, at the head office, uh, I set out, we set out the number of officials we have at the head office. As you can see, our head office component is a small component. We are building this component as we speak, and we want it to be more strategically focused in terms of guiding uh, our national SCCU or our regional SCCU offices. Um, we have increased our divisional capacity. Uh, we have dedicated staff now in Northwest, which we did not have before, Limpopo, uh, Pumalanga, and the Northern Cape. And just also to emphasize that it was in those divisions that just last year, April, the minister proclaimed special commercial crimes courts in those divisions. Um, and so a lot of work has been done over the space of one year to strengthen our justice system enable, to, enable for us to deal with, uh, with corruption. If we can move to the next slide quickly. So some of the constraints that we, that we have, cases often have to be closed without prosecution as witnesses or evidence no longer available due to a long time lapse. Uh, referral of individuals connected to one matter are misleading and difficult to follow up. So sometimes there's confusion in terms of uh, the different uh, 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 parts to an investigation and the number of individuals involved in an investigation. 
the SIU referral process of matters based on suspects rather than cases involving the finding of criminality creates a misalignment in respect of the cases generated. So the point here is you cannot just take an SIU report and say, here's an SIU report, and then ask the questions, how many people uh, have been prosecuted? The investigation often reveals different people uh, other than those identified in an SIU report. So there's misalignment between what the SIU may uh, find and what in a proper investigation may find. Prosecutors and DPCI investigators deal with facts contained in the dockets. Persons or identities identified in an SIU referral do not always emerge as suspects in the criminal uh, investigation. In such instances, no decision is made on such individuals or entities, and time of submission by SIU of referrals related to different projects are often received months apart and often include the same suspects or entities. So the point is just, it is not straightforward. Uh, a lot of work has to go into understanding the reports that are referred uh, to, to, to us, and a lot of work, as I've, as I've emphasized, need to go into those investigations. So uh, just to highlight, uh, as part of the solutions, um, it suggested that the DPCI be involved with investigations done by SIU at a much earlier stage, as I've indicated. Uh, those are some of the, uh, the uh, proposals we are incorporating into the MOU. Uh, there is a, a close relationships between the DPCI and the SIU on certain investigations, but we believe this should be strengthened. So what is the advantage of that? When an SIU report is then finalized, you will find that a lot of work has already been done by the DPCI in relation to that investigation. So this is the methodology that we are certainly encouraging. Um, in order to seize exhibits and ensure statements of witnesses are taken at a time when memories are still fresh and exhibits are still at, uh, available, another advantage. And from the fusion center model, Parallel investigations give better results. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the, the lessons that we have learned. Although, as I've indicated, we do have challenges in the fusion center model. Uh, it doesn't work as effectively sometimes as we would like it to, because once again, we're dealing with human beings. And sometimes human beings don't always cooperate with each other as they should. And particularly in the law enforcement space, because you see, we're dealing with sensitive information. We're dealing with difficult information. And often people have difficulty sharing information at an early stage for obvious reasons, because they want to safeguard the information and the, and the results of the investigation. These are just some of the challenges that you will find in any multi-agency uh, uh, system like in South Africa. But we as leadership, we're trying our best to ensure work closer, investigators meet earlier with each other so that we can move these cases much faster. Uh, once the DPCI is involved and has registered a case docket, the MPA gets involved in guiding the investigation with the investigating officer. I've emphasized that. And then we talk about the legislative changes that are required um, in terms of referrals to the MPA. And again, to look at legislation holistically so that we don't create challenges for each other. So there are lots of discussions, and I'm sure my, um, my AFU colleague will, will perhaps reference uh, 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 legislative proposals to the POCA legislation and the PRECA le legislation in order for us to, to enhance our ability and laws, law enforcement to deal with corruption. Closer cooperation between criminal investigation and SIU investigation would be beneficial 
to both the civil, civil and the criminal investigations. And so these are the discussions that we are currently having. I'm almost done, uh, Chairperson, just uh, one more, one or two more slides. Um, I'm not gonna go into detail in this, but it just gives an example of, of some of the sentences uh, that we have obtained in relation to SIU uh, investigations. Uh, we put those slides up for the benefit of the members of the committee. And then on the concluding remarks, uh, which is the last slide that I present, uh, the MPA provided updates to the SIU in 2018 and thereafter, regions were required to jointly report with the SIU counterparts in terms of the MOU. As indicated, due to additional staff at the National Office of the SSU, the data is still being cleaned, purified and properly analyzed to establish where the gaps are in reporting, given the obligations on both parties in terms of an MOU, and in coordination with stakeholders to what the SIU and DPCI is ongoing, and managers are taking responsibility for ensuring the processes, progress, records are monitored, interrogated, and analyzed. So what we're saying is there still remains a challenge in terms of how we manage our information, what we are working hard, so that by the time we come back to this committee next time, we'd like to come back with consolidated information, both from SIU, DPCI, and all of us agree on the status of the work that we do. Chairperson and NDPP, those are my comments. Thank you very much. Thank you, Advocate Koch. Um, Honorable Chair, the next part of the presentation on asset forfeiture is going to be dealt with by Advocate Priya Baseswar, who is the uh, Special Director in the Asset Forfeiture Unit. Priya? Advocate Baseswar? How much time do you need for that, then, to give me? If you bear with me, uh, how long? How long? We have, we, have, we have sitting at two members of two. Uh, I beg your pardon. I'm, I'm cautious about time. Uh, um, we have six slides on asset forfeiture, and then we need to deal with the ID part of it, which we have uh, five cases that we'll deal with. So let's say we'll try to wrap up in about 15, 20 minutes at most, Chair. 15 minutes. Right, we'll Thank certainly push. Thank you, Chair. We'll, we'll proceed. Advocate Bassessor, if you could just pick up the speed a little bit. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, NDPP. The first. Just missing. Where is the presenter? I beg your pardon, Chair. Um, is your maybe you, okay? Maybe you just come here and I'll just move. I'll move. Yeah. Chair, sorry for this. I will just swap, uh, and she can come and perhaps uh, be on this com laptop. Perhaps the other one is not showing through. Uh, thank you, NDPP. Thank you. If I may just start with the first slide. The first slide depicts current referrals from the SIU to the NPA and then to the AFU between January 2020 and 10th February 2022. We looked at 80 referrals, which translated into 39 matters. From the 80 referrals, we are busy drafting an application in one of the matters. 
35 of the matters are under investigation. Uh, 21, the AFU is conducting investigations. And in 14 matters, the DPCI is proceeding with investigations. In 15 matters, we are awaiting the, the actual documents. So it has been referred, we are awaiting the actual SIU files. In five of such matters, we are awaiting the charge sheet. In 24 of the 18 matters or referrals, uh, there is no AFU potential because the SIU has already proceeded with civil recovery. So from the 18 referral currently, as of January 2020 to 10th February 2022, we've obtained one confiscation order to the value of 500,000, and the two restraints have been obtained, one of which by the IB to 1.5 billion. Thank you. Next slide. So uh, the next slide just speaks about SIU referrals from 2002, including, including the referrals including the referrals um, to the ACTT. So we have 48 um, confiscation or forfeiture orders obtained to the value of 1.7 billion uh, preservations, that is freezing orders. We have 70 to the value of 4.1 billion and one is obtained, one was obtained by the ID and the value of recoveries is 1.7 billion. So this slide depicts um, the, uh, the, the stats of what has been done from the AFU perspective. So we can move on to the next slide. Thank you. Um, on the slide, I won't go into too much detail. It speaks about the AFU capacity to deal specifically and coordinate the um, referrals that come from the SIU. Um, the special director being myself was appointed 1st February, 2021. We have two dedicated senior state advocates and two administrative officers that assist in managing and allocating the uh, referrals. We have been resourced uh, as it shows in the staff uh, on the slide regionally and our capacity from April, 2020 uh, to January 2020, 2022, our, um, our increase from 186 to 243 in the AFU. So if we can move on. And I think the constraints that we feel um, that, that we have placed on the slide, which the asset forfeiture unit specifically refers to us, is very similar to the constraints as uh, alluded to by my NPS colleagues. But just to mention that in 26th August 2021, the president of the tribunal issued rules which gives the SIU powers um, very similar to the asset forfeiture powers for seizing of assets. And this is done very often prior to referral to the NPA. So in other words, the SIU does proceed with asset recovery processes prior to um, referral to the AFU. And as I stated in the previous slides, a number of matters that are referred has no AFU uh, potential as it has already been um, recovered. Uh, recovery processes have been implemented by the SIU. And just a point to make, some of the referrals can be a little bit misleading in the sense that um, one matter may have various um, so-called suspects and it may also include evidence or information that relates to possible disciplinary action. And as stated, it's based on suspects and not specifically a matter which has various suspects. And just to mention the AFU is dependent on the finalization of criminal investigations to consider chapter five applications, which is 
uh, conviction-based applications. And we, and we require a lot of investigative and forensic capacity regionally to then look at these matters and determine asset tracing and flow of funds. Next slide. And I think the solutions um, in, in two minutes is just, I think the crux of the slide is that um, closer collaboration is required. And to involve the AFU, the NPA AFU in these matters as quickly as possible in order for us to trace assets and seize assets. And um, the slide then just speaks about our solutions in respect of co-location with the DPCI, which has already taken place. But I think the message I'd like to get through is we must look at closer collaboration and to involve the NPA and more specifically the AFU in cases as quickly as possible to avoid dissipation of assets. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, NDP. Um, thank you, uh, Advocate Baseswa. Um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, we now have Advocate uh, Omar Sataba, um, Rabaji Sataba, who will now deal with the investigating director part of the presentation. Omar? Okay. Uh, thank you, Chairperson and Honorable Members. Thank you, NDPP. Um, Chairperson, I will not go through all the slides. Um, if we go to slide 28, um, and this slide demonstrates, it's just the history of, of the ID, which was created in May 2019, but capacitation started in July. 2019 and it's still continuing and we hope um, to, to finalize capacitation of the ID by February 2022. So we're breaking down um, the Zondo Commission resources that we have onboarded, 23 digital forensic investigators, uh, evidence leaders, and we're still in the process of onboarding more um, Zondo Commission resources. The reason being um, that we've the extensions of Zondo Commission, the onboarding process of investigators and evident leaders could not be completed. Um, we're still also discussing with SARS for possibility of settlement of SARS investigators. So as I've said, Chairperson uh, and Honorable Members, this process, it's still ongoing, but um, we do hope to finish it by the end of this month. And as the NDPP in, in her opening remarks indicated, the ID is poised at this point to be able to fully investigate and prosecute these cases with speed. Yanni, uh, uh, the next slide, uh, slide 29. Uh, there we do make the point that um, with the onboarding of SAPS, EPIT, and DPCI, and SIU, and FIC colleagues, as you know, Chairperson and Honorable Members, uh, the ID is capacitated through secondments from all the law enforcement agencies, including uh, from uh, the mother body, NPA. We get our prosecutors from NPA. So um, we think that will require an amendment of Section 7 of the NPA Act. Uh, to, to deal with capacity constraints. Then on slide 30, um, the slide deals with the powers and functions of the ID. Chairperson, as I indicated, the ID can investigate and prosecute cases. 
um, and, and we've broken down what the investigative powers are, including subpoena of witnesses, execute search and seizure warrants, etc. Yes. So, and then on slide 31, Chairperson, we've dealt with the case registration process uh, where we've explained that any person can report a matter to the ID. The ID director herself or himself can also authorize an investigation into any matter, uh, as well as the NDPP can refer a matter to the, to the ID. And if the NDPP refers that matter, then it's peremptory, the matter has to be dealt with. Um, we have five um, matters that have been referred to um, by the SIU, slide 32. Um, and in slide 33, um, we deal with the actual cases that have been referred to by the, by the SIU to the ID. And these are in relation to ESCOM and Transnet in particular. Um, the first case um, was referred uh, 29 April 2021, and it relates to uh, ESCOM and Trustnet SAP contracts. These are IT contracts. Um, the, the, the team, there is a team fully assist with this matter. We've got two prosecutors and one investigator, and the investigation is still ongoing, uh, Chairperson. So the, the matter is, is, is receiving uh, attention. The next matter on page 34 is um, the, 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 the ESCOM, ABB, and Impulse International a case. It's an ESCOM matter, which also has got prosecutors and investigators to deal with the matter. And uh, the matter is still on, ongoing. We hope to enroll by the second quarter of 2022, as the matter has got adequate resources to continue. The third matter, Chairperson, is um, an ESCOM matter which has got five legs. So there are two legs currently in court. The first leg uh, being on slide 35, Chairperson, which is the Babinado Business Services CC. This is the one where, um, Chairperson, there's, it's, it's going to be back in court on the 30th of March, 2022. It was enrolled in 20. 19 and um, it involves and 74 million um, of, of um, charges that are listed there corruption of precar fraud theft PFMA contraventions and poker contraventions the next matter on page uh, 36 or slide 36 um, it's the one where AFU has assist uh, the proceeds of crime in an amount of 1.4 billion against the accused. And the matter is back on the 4th of May, 2022 for trial. Um, so this matter um, in particular, the Polokwane matter cuts across the four legs of this ESCOM case. You'll also notice that there's a, a heart-spontane leg to this matter, which is also in court in May for trial. Um, the, last, the last two matters um, that I would want to refer to is, is the one um, that we refer to as Transnet Neotel contracts, 
which is still under investigation. And the last case is uh, on um, slide 38. It's a Trustnet case, which we hope to enroll before the end of, of the end of March. Um, this matter is fully investigated, and it's it's the last matter that um, we have on the list of referrals. Um, just briefly on 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 some of the solutions that we we propose. Um, as you may be aware, the, the data that we get from Zondo Commission, it's quite intense. And um, one of the, the proposal is that we're making as IDs that we speedily have access to the forensic lab so that we should be able to also use the, the data forensic investigators, investigators that, that have been onboarded from Zondo Commission to help us with mining the data from, um, as you know, it runs into in terabytes from the Zondo Commission. We also are in the process of recruiting more skilled cap cap capabilities in the NPA, particularly digital and commercial investigation in the NPA so that we can speedily deal with these matters. Um, we, we have received support from Treasury in that we've got the deviation extended for us to cut through the red tape in terms of uh, capacitating the ID chairperson. And we are hopeful and confident that with this deviation and the capacity to onboard uh, the required skills speedily, we'll be able to execute on the mandate given to the ID. Thank you very much, Chairperson, Honorable Members, and the NDPP. Thank you, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. Um, just in terms of, of conclusions, um, Chair, that, that's our presentation. Um, you know, I'd like to, to highlight again that, you know, there's... Uh, we are, there's lots of challenges. South Africans are impatient uh, in terms of the pace of, of investigations and prosecutions. They're, you know, all but, but, you know, losing faith and confidence in the criminal justice system. But despite all of these frustrations, there's really important to take note of the progress that is being made. And, you know, I, we've mentioned a couple of, we've mentioned enrollments, we've mentioned arrests, but these are no, by no means, um, you know, as far as we'd like to go. But you know the NPA is is a player, an important player in the criminal justice system. Um, you know we we only prosecute where there is sufficient evidence that demonstrates that the probabilities of a successful prosecutions are good, and that's the only time we would actually enroll a matter. So it's it's really important that all of us, the SIU, the NPA, that we actually draw on the strengths of of our different mandates um, as, as, as law enforcement agencies. We all have the same aim, but we do have different mandates. We do have different approaches. And we really need to explain these, not just to SCOPA, because in, in explaining, we are also talking to the people of South Africa. We need to explain so that people understand what happens during an SIU investigations and what the processes are to make sure that before we enroll a matter that's being investigated criminally, first investigated by the DPC, by the SIU, looking at civil processes, 
then to the DPCI looking at criminal investigations, and then to the NPA to make a decision on whether we have sufficient evidence to actually prosecute. So, you know, it, it really requires a lot of collaboration between, between law enforcement. The current legal framework is not fit for purpose. We do look at how government can actually strengthen that, but I'm confident that we're on the right track and, and that there will be uh, more traction. Um, honorable Chair, thank you very much, Honorable Chair um, and Honorable Members. That is the presentation of the NPA. Thank you very much, NTPP, um, uh, for the presentation um, with your team. Um, one, one could uh, re realize uh, the scope uh, of, the, of the presentation, which has sought to cover uh, a, number of, a number of areas, um, which is very, very um, in interesting and necessary for us uh, to comprehend. Um, though for this uh, uh, period, our basic interest has been on what you are doing on the SIU uh, referrals. Uh, you sought to uh, deal with your uh, presentation with matters that relate to the SIU Act, the inhibiting factors uh, for you to uh, hit the ground um, because of your late involvement and what is it that could be done uh, if things would have been earlier uh, than uh, what the Act provides. Uh, which seeks to anticipate um, the fact of a committal uh, of an act of criminality, which uh, would uh, precede such a referral. And, and your matters that lead to a service level agreement, which is very much appreciable uh, between yourselves and the SIU. The head of SIU is here, advocate. Um, I will we'll give you a few minutes uh, for you to comment before I give to members uh, on the report uh, by the uh, NPA. Thank you very much, uh, NTPP. Uh, Advocate Motivi. Uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair uh, of SCOPA and honorable members. Uh, let me also greet my colleague, the NDPP and, and her team, and my colleagues from SIU that are attending. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity uh, and the invitation uh, to attend this meeting, but solely, of course, uh, uh, to observe the proceedings. But we do appreciate the opportunity now to comment. Um, um, I think the overall comment that I'd like to really just make is uh, it, it, it's that uh, uh, we all indeed have to ensure that uh, uh, we collaborate to bring out the results that uh, are expected uh, from us um, uh, and to ensure that uh, all of us, our work, make the, make the impact. Um, I'm not going to repeat what the NDPP indicated around the meetings we've had as heads of uh, entities in the, in the ACTT. Those meetings are, of course, 
with the quest of ensuring that the collaboration continues and continues well. Um, yes, indeed, we do have the memorandum of understanding uh, between us and the NPA. Uh, that MOU, I think, was signed in 2017. Uh, we are of the view that uh, it needs some improvement, and we've been working on that. Uh, uh, we will re-engage with our, with our colleagues to ensure that we bring that process to finality and have a revised MOU, which takes all of these views into account. I really believe that uh, by doing so, uh, we will ensure that uh, you know, the, the, work, the work really is taken forward in a manner that makes appropriate impact. Uh, the NDPP refers to the SIU work being a small fraction of the work that they do. Uh, uh, having noted that, uh, my, my belief is really that uh, a small fraction as it is, if it's dealt with appropriately and speedily, that small fraction will make such a huge impact uh, into the into the public space. So, so, so it is just my view that, uh, however small the fraction it can be, uh, it's likely to have a huge impact uh, if it's if it's addressed and addressed uh, uh, speedily. Uh, do take into account around the respect for each other's mandates. Um, in this regard, uh, there's a mention around. Uh, the focus of SIU investigations being primarily uh, civil in nature. Uh, I think again, when we probably re-engage uh, in the MOU uh, process, uh, we will probably just bring out uh, clearly uh, that uh, in terms of the SIU Act currently, and most of the proclamations that have been signed uh, I suppose since the inception of SIU, uh, most of those proclamations have also taken into account the legislative, the legislative mandate uh, of SIU uh, to investigate uh, corruption. Uh, and corruption is a criminal offense. Uh, and, and our investigations have really uh, being focused on ensuring that we uncover uh, uh, those, uh, the, the corruption and probably other related offenses. And then when, when we've done that, when we've done that, of course, uh, that section 41D now kicks in, which says uh, when SIU uh, finds evidence that points to the commission of an offense. Uh, just noted that my colleague used the word possible. Uh, yeah, it could be that from, from reviewing the, the, the evidence, um, uh, there's a consideration of possible, but the, the investigation does, uh, when we pick up the evidence, uh, it is the investigation's view that uh, at that stage, uh, they would be what's called prima facie case, and of course uh, should be directed to the prosecutorial process. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I really want to pick up on what the NDPP says that um, uh, we have we have based on uh, our interactions in terms of the referrals because at the moment the law requires SIU to refer this criminal the evidence pointing to the commission of a criminal offence. It requires of us to refer it to NPA. Now, what we have done as a result of our interaction was to say, how can we bring in efficiencies in this, in this process to ensure that uh, you know, DPCI is copied uh, on time? Uh, so, so when we refer, and I think this, this practice started, uh, what, probably a year or so ago, when we said, when we refer to NPA, we will now uh, also refer to GPCI. But that was with the view that, uh, you know, uh, some of the aspects that are required, uh, opening up of a docket and probably some other further investigation that the NPA may point out that it's done under the auspices of GPCI. So I think I think there's there's really an opportunity that uh, when we re-engage, uh, uh, just to really make a check around this need that matters need to be investigated afresh. Uh, there's a there's a uh, my colleague uh, Advocate De Cox said the matters needed to be investigated afresh. Uh, so I'm just really just mentioning it there, but we will will really re-engage so that. Uh, 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 we are all on one page in terms of uh, the need for these matters. For the extent of the investigation, really, that, that is required further after we have done, after SIU has done the investigation. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, and, and this is where the, the nature of the evidence that, that's collected by SIU uh, and whether it would stand the scrutiny of the criminal prosecution uh, to stand the test of, uh, of the criminal court. Uh, uh, I'm reminded, and in fact, this is the part that we'll probably have to go back to and just check the extent to which it was used. Uh, in the past, I think 2005, six or seven, uh, I was informed that uh, there was a huge investigation around Sasa uh, and that was, uh, uh, investigated by SIU, and it does appear that most of the matters in that investigation were taken straight to the criminal court, uh, and there is some success that that was achieved. Uh, so I'm really mentioning this in the interest of saying perhaps there's, there's really an opportunity uh, to re-engage and, and, and really make a check of the nature of the evidence and whether it can really stand the scrutiny of the of the criminal courts. Um, the issue around the well, the current legal framework, yeah, uh, until it's really uh, amended, we'll really try to make the best of what we can do uh, to ensure that there's efficiencies and that matters are dealt with speedily to produce the results within the current legal framework until. Of course, it's uh, it's amended. Thank you very much, Honourable Chair. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Advocate Mutibi. Uh, uh, 
thanks, thanks, thanks for your for your intervention on these matters. Uh, and the in the sense um, uh, which which you have brought into um, the presentation. And we appreciate the fact that there's such a, a level of engagement. Because what we need is that there must be prostitution, um, uh, you see, at the end of it all. But, but uh, amazingly, is, is, is when you weigh um, on, on the scale, uh, the, the, the capacity levels in both uh, institutions, which feed into the success uh, uh, of of uh, uh, you see prosecution um, ability um, uh, at, at the end of it uh, of it of it all. Uh, a number of colleagues have indicated they would want to speak on these matters. One uh, is a uh, uh, honourable Van Fluren, uh, followed by honourable Mante, honourable Mante, honourable Tolasha. I would then uh, follow. Uh, over to you, colleagues. Thank you very much, Chair. I think you meant Van Minnen, not Van Fuhren. Um, sorry, 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 Thank you so much, MTPP. Uh, right, thanks. I've got a number of, of concerns and questions. Um, I come from a legal background, so I do understand how the process works. But there are a number of things that stand out here. So we've now, this has now been three years, as we're saying on the 1st of February. That is by any standard a very long time. I mean, I think it took me three years to get my LLB. And what concerns me, the challenges that have been brought up by the MPA. I mean, there's a very famous quote by Edmund Burke that all it takes the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I'm very concerned that the wheels of justice are essentially seized up and that the ball bearings are, are rusting at this particular point because we're really not seeing progress at any kind of speed that seems to be able to move us forward with the the enormous challenges that the NPA faces. Now, I understand it is not all the NPA. The NPA obviously has to connect to a number of other um, you know, organizations within the, the criminal justice system that allegations and investigations have to ultimately end up in convictions. But there really are a number of concerns that I've got here. Uh, the first being the MOU regarding the referral process from the, NI, from the SAU to the MPA is still in draft. How long has this been in draft and what progress has been made there? We've heard from the SIU several times that when they re-engage regarding the draft. Now, what, why is that process disconnected? The DPCI needs to be included. Why have they not been included previously? Particularly if it seems there is a certain amount of replication that the DPCI then has to investigate matters that have been referred to the NPA, surely that is something that can be improved enormously and why they're only being included at this point. I also understand that court roles are a challenge. Magistrates' courts are under-resourced. COVID 
over the last two years, I'm sure has had an enormous impact in, in all sorts of spheres. I do understand that. But still, it does appear that the lack of capacity and the slowness with which things are moving forward are in and of themselves a threat to the criminal justice system and are in and of themselves mitigating against getting successful convictions. One thing that came up and really concerns me is we keep hearing from everyone that the agencies need to work together, they need closer cooperation. And then I think it was Advocate de Kock, who its exact quote was, very often proper investigations reveal that matters aren't actually what they appear to be initially. Now, everyone's going to be saying that they need to be reinvestigated and have proper investigations. What is that indicating? Is there a feeling in the MPA that the other agencies aren't doing sufficient work? Is that something that has been discussed? I mean, it's, it's not something one can continue to have replicating itself in a system when one's trying to get convictions. The 90% conviction rate is good and well, but surely the actual conviction rate should be factored in as to how many matters are referred, how many matters are investigated. It's good and well that 90% get convicted, but one can easily point out that you know, if one cherry picks matters, one is far more likely to get a high conviction rate. So what is the genuine conviction rate vis-a-vis -vis matters that are actually instigated? And, and what happens to the matters that are not proceeded with? How is that determined? Is there a form of cherry picking going on? The long time lapses I've already discussed. That's a big issue with one's chain of evidence. Um, so I think that's really what I want to cover for now. But yes, I, I think that it's very concerning listening to this report. It certainly seems that the whole system is jammed up. There are budget constraints, there are resource constraints, but what can be done to improve the speed at which this happens? Because quite frankly, at this point, if the system isn't working, it ultimately becomes part of the problem. And we really need to unjam this whole gridlock to start actually seeing results. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I thought they would first uh, respond to my colleague before I come in so that our questions don't get lost. I don't know, Chair, your guide. Don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry. Ask your question. No problem. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, Chair, I think also, uh, I must just raise this. The, the issues of mandate. It, it's uh, interesting, but at the very same time, I think it has to be sped up by the uh, portfolio committee and the intervention thereof, especially in terms of the lack of uh, capacity in, in uh, by capacity, I mean human resource for the NPA. So that that uh, particular aspect of capacity is dealt with speedily. So I would uh, appreciate if the, uh, the NDPP can take those matters up with the portfolio committee as soon as possible, because it cannot be that um, issue of capacity and the shortage of human resource becomes the stumbling block in ensuring that um, we advance our side of governance. Now, uh, I wanna come to the issues that uh, 
are directly linked with us and the work we have asked the SIU and which they have done, which uh, I think to the best of their ability. Firstly, in terms of the declined cases, there's a huge amount of declined cases and the NDPP says it's due to um, lack of evidence or rather there are no prospects for successful prosecution. And um, I get what uh, Advocate Ntibi is saying that the mandate requires of them to send or refer cases where they, they, they sense they are of criminal nature and all of that to NPA. But did they just send these cases without having assured themselves that here we do have uh, enough evidence that will uh, uh, um, at least result into a successful prosecution of this particular case. And if that's the case, why would the NPA decline to prosecute such cases? Because that for me becomes very much problematic. SIU is an arm that we understand its mandate and we trust that they will not be working on something they themselves spend a lot of time and they themselves knowingly very well that this one, there's just nothing we can do about it. There's no evidence, there's no information. And therefore I wouldn't understand what would be the reasons of referral of such cases. If we can get that clarity there, and then we'll deal with individual cases at a later stage. And then number two, I'm picking up a, a problem with the turnaround times in terms of these referrals and the cases. There are cases that you look at it and you think there isn't even an interest or there is some laissez-faire uh, attitude against it or there, there is just a snail pace in terms of certain cases. And then there are cases that their statuses are promising, but there are cases like the 2017 APP case. It's moving at a very snail pace. And I don't understand its status and the statuses of cases of 2019 is far back. And I don't know why would that be the case. But also very much interesting, Chair. The APP case where it's straightforward in terms of its um, a, 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 a originality and how it started is very similar to cases that have been wrapped up. We have seen the case of the student who received money, paid money uh, irregularly and all of those things. It was wrapped up with no time. But the case of ABB, since 2017, nothing is being wrapped up. Nothing is being finalized. And then you start to ask yourself, how does justice work? Because it's very similar, it's money sent by government or by whichever institution into the account. The bank account is known, the people who deposited are known, but at the very same time, then there are complexities when it gets to APP, complexities that are dragging the case since 2017 to date. 
And then there are cases that get finalized as soon as possible and there are no issues. They must clarify that for me. It doesn't, uh, for me, uh, add up at all. Uh, the issue of the private funding, uh, it was also in the opening statement. You know, NTPP, there's already, like the case I've just mentioned now, there's already a very dark cloud hanging over the justice system in terms of the finalization of cases and how they deal with different cases. But if you receive money from private people, yet you have prosecuted them, this is exactly when the justice system is going to start having eyes. Because your objectivity, it doesn't matter how much you say you want to set up a, a, a committee somewhere that's going to oversee whoever brings the money in and the money is going to land at national treasury and all of those things. But if people put money for the mandate of justice and not government, then those people will run the risk of them not being prosecuted for whatever they have done. And it cannot be that treasury does not have enough money to cover the justice system given the high rate of crime that has to be prosecuted at your level. So that is one thing that also the portfolio committee has to look at. But I just wanted to highlight it. It's, it's not part of policing the past. However, as a member of parliament, I don't think I can sit here and actually say, no, it's fine, go ahead and do it. That thing which uh, Thomas Sankara said some, at some point, that the hands that feeds you controls you. There is no way that we can get private people to make sure that our justice system is operating and in a manner in which they are funding it and they are known. And understand that people who are funding anyone here in South Africa, they must be known that we are funding these particular people at this uh, 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 so much. Uh, the last one, Chair, uh, is on the forensic investigation. There's a problem with forensic investigation. I think the NDPP touched, just um, highlighted some of, of it. But I, I want to understand what is the plan about the forensic investigation? Because SIU also has the same problem of not having, we don't have forensic investigators. Now the NDPP is the same issue. And no one says this is the plan of getting this component in action as far as justice is concerned. And we cannot be at this time and day and age where we understand very well that the reason why many of these criminals who are never captured is because we lack that particular aspect of investigation which is in, in the forensic sector. And to this date, Chair, there is no politician that has been successfully prosecuted. And neither are officials. I only know of one, John Block of the Northern Cape. I don't know any other person. People are, people are involved in serious, serious, serious uh, uh, maladministration 
and misalignment of funds in, in terms of that money gets channeled to pockets of people. But we don't get to know exactly. This is why our society is always saying there's no justice in South Africa. We need to be clear and we need to move at a, a, a higher speed now, not this nail pace. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank, thank you very much, Honorable Mente. NTPP, uh, I think you've uh, received a mouthful of such uh, uh, questions referred to yourself. Uh, if you could uh, assist to answer uh, those, I think, uh, in the instance, uh, the, the areas of policy and, and um, the matters which are direct uh, for the competency of the committee which you might uh, seek to prioritize. Um, over to you. Thank you, Chair. I'll deal with a couple of matters and then my colleagues will fill in. Chair, on the first issue of the MOU still being in draft, yes, I agree. You know, it is, there was, there is an MOU signed at the moment between the SIU and the NPA. Uh, we are revising the draft and in that process, we realized, so it's not like there's no MOU, there is one, but we realized in the process that because of the fact that the, the DPCI plays such a critical role in this entire value chain, um, that they, it needed to be a so-called tripartite agreement, including the DPCI. And so that is the process that we're in is, so there is a draft and um, regrettably it's, I mean, it's been, uh, it's with our colleagues in the SAPs. So, you know, we need to get them to, um, come to the party a little quicker. But look, we've been following up and we'll just try to um, make sure that that speed, I agree, you know, we should really um, get that draft finalized, but there are some, some issues that the SAPS has with it, but we need to engage and, and, and get that tripartite MOU uh, finalized between, between the three agencies. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not that we cherry pick cases, certainly not the SIU matters, because you will, from the statistics we presented, you'll see that there's only uh, two matters that are in the NPA where a decision is still awaited. Uh, the other matters we've actually taken decisions in. So, um, and those matters are still in the DPCI space with regard to investigations. But I agree with colleagues that say that the pace of these investigations needs to be picked up. It's too slow. I agree with you. Um, and, you know, we, we, that, that's when the issue of it's not just about capacity in the NPA uh, or the SIU. It is about capacity in the DPCI. It's a critical, critical, critical agency in this process. And if the DPCI is not capacitated properly to deal with these investigations, it's not like investigations have been completed and the matters are sitting in the NPN, we don't have the capacity to process it. You, as I said, there's only two matters that are awaiting decision. The rest of them are all in the DPCI space. And I have raised this issue in the portfolio committee um, at any instance I get is, you know, that's why I said, you know, we are as strong as the weakest link in a system. And the investigative capacity is absolutely critical to move cases along. So any assistance that any par uh, parliamentary committees can give to really enhancing the capacity, cap capability, skills in the DPCI 
would be really appreciated because um, you know it's 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 a big gap in terms of being able to fast track investigations. Um, the issue of um, the the decline cases we we and and the standard of proof we try to explain uh, in our presentation um, the fact that the investigations of the um, SIU um, are not criminal investigations per se, although Advocate Motivi did nuance that somewhat. But the, the fact of the matter is that the DPCI is the mandated agency to do criminal investigations. And so we can certainly engage with, with Advocate Motivi, um, you know, in terms of, uh, he mentioned that in 2005 or some time ago, there were cases that, that were ready for prosecutions. Look, I'm not sure what what kind of evidence then was presented in those matters. But certainly in the cases that come to us, they are not ready for prosecutions because, as I said, because of the differing mandates and because of Advocate uh, de Kock explained quite a bit of time at the beginning of the presentation, because we knew this will be an issue, to actually explain that the, the criminal investigations take a lot of time for us to, the standard of proof and to, to to explain to the honorable member, I think it was honorable Mente, that the issue of, of not having, it's not a case of not having sufficient evidence. It's about what, what standard of proof do you require at the relevant stage of the process? So at the stage of the process of the SIU, the standard of proof is one relating to balance of probabilities, which is a much lower standard than that which is required for the purpose of prosecutors um, arriving at a decision that we have sufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the case that there's criminal, um, that criminal charges can be preferred and that the probabilities of a successful prosecution therefore are high. Prima Faki is not good enough. We must have evidence that reaches a standard of on a on a, on on that reaches the standard of not a balance of probabilities, but the reasonable prospects of a successful criminal prosecution, and so the standards are difficult. So it's sorry are very different, and that needs to be understood. So therefore, the DPCI then needs to interrogate, um, but working closely with the SIU because the work that they've done certainly contributes to the work that the DPCI will do, and that is why we also said that we must look at the DPCI getting involved maybe at an earlier stage together with the SIU investigations, maybe prosecutors getting involved at an earlier stage. I don't know. We don't want to complicate processes and, and trip on each other's mandates, but we do need to find ways of collaborating better so that cases are in fact speedily brought to court. Because I agree with Honorable Mente, um, you know, it's, it, the pace needs to be picked up, but it's, it's all about the, the investigation stage that really needs... Um, we need things to move a lot faster. Um, on the issue of private funding, I would really urge and implore members to have an open mind in this regard. We certainly do not want to be accepting funding from, from entity X, when in fact, entity X then is the subject of a prosecution. That is certainly not the way we, would, we envisage the concept around receiving assistance from the private sector to deal uh, to to for law enforcement to receive assistance, so it's really we're looking at various options so that 
Um, for example, you know, we even want to engage with Treasury about Treasury setting up a trust, for example, where people make anonymous donations. And I'm just putting things into the pot. We are still exploring it and we're looking at what will look best, what will work best so that the issue of, you know, it's not a question of, you know, the hand that feeds you. You know, it's, it's about where we have, we've been engaging with, with business again. So, you know, working through business against crime, this is not a new phenomenon. Business has been helping various government departments, including the justice system, for many, many years. In fact, the Specialized Commercial Crimes Courts was set up almost exclusively with money from business, channeled through business against crime. Tutuzela Care Centers receives you know, all kinds of funding assistance. So we really need to, to have an open mind and understand that we are, certainly would not want to open the NPA up for criticism that we are in fact not prosecuting certain entities because they are funding us. So we are looking at this very, very carefully, but it's not a new phenomenon. We will certainly look at safeguards, look at how treasury will be involved so that you know, the issue of, and the donor oversight com committees are really an important safeguard um, in this process. So we understand the challenges, we, we, we appreciate the risks. And so we are, we are looking at this very, very carefully. But as I say, it's not a new phenomenon. Government and business have been working together for a long time, even in law enforcement, uh, very, very successfully. Um, the forensic investigations um, issue, uh, Honorable Mentor, you're absolutely right. Um, forensic investigation costs the government an enormous amount of money. And we are making forensic companies rich. Um, so, so you ask, what is the plan? Th that is the right question. Um, this, this matter in the, um, after COVID in the economic recovery strategy at the JCPS level, it was decided that government must set up its own forensic investigative capacity so that we are able to do these investigations properly. And there was a, 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 a multidisciplinary task team that was put together that has done some research into this, that has looked at various initiatives to actually deal with um, creating this capacity in government. Uh, so there is a plan. It's very, very complicated. It does require uh, funding and money. But I mean, if you look at all the money that government is already spending for these investigations, my view is it doesn't require new money. But what we do need is, is it, you know, it's not something that you can create today and it's up and running. It, it is something that you need to build. But in the meantime, we have to regrettably be forced to actually still uh, acquire these resources from, from the public sector. Um, and I'm going to ask um, um, Advocate um, Anton Duplessis if he's got any comments, further comments on resources, and then I'll come to uh, the other um, advocate, uh, the other DNDPPs who will deal with some one or two of the other questions. Uh, Anton? Thank you, NDPP. I think you covered the, the issues nicely in terms of the actual funding and how it needs to go through National Treasury. I think the President um, made this point as well in his State of the Nation address uh, last week. Um, and and uh, Honourable Mentor, that's an important point you make. I think the NDPP covered it. There's another aspect to resource and capacity that we need to speak about, and that is the, the kind of specialised capacity needed um, to deal with these kinds of crimes. We are dealing with... Um, the most complex, and I think Advocate the Cop referred to sort of the level of counsel that um, that some of these cases or some of the accused in these cases will bring. Um, it's difficult for the government having to sort of pick up pace as quickly as as um, 
as we need to, as the NDPP pointed out, to get the resources or the additional skills in without being, as the NDPP said, innovative and bold in how we do that. So that does mean engaging with um, relevant uh, uh, partners in the private sector, sometimes at the bars, at bar associations, sometimes private law firms, but again, to make sure that the independence of the NPA is protected. But another fundamental point is regarding the legal architecture that was referred to earlier and the challenges with the legal architecture. I think the challenges of cooperation are normal in any system. And I think we spoke about how we have to deal with that. And Advocate Matibi said how we need to, to ramp up the collaboration. But ultimately, what you need for these kinds of crimes um, is a, a more a systemic and sustainable model of prosecution-guided investigations. We used to be world leaders in this. Uh, we still have the experience and the expertise, um, but it does require a bit of a mind shift change in terms of how the legal framework uh, operates. And that is an ongoing discussion that we need to have. And once that legal framework, uh, once the changes are made, then the question of what capacity can the NPA bring in um, to be able to bring these skills, not that are only needed now in terms of prosecution and in terms of investigation, but if we look at the crimes that the nature of crime and the, the more complex nature and transnational nature of crime and, and even corruption, which is increasingly becoming an organized transnational phenomenon, um, the NPA is going to need to bring in skills that allow us to deal with those kinds of crimes. We're speaking about seriously advanced types of cybercrime. Uh, we speaking about the, the, we've already spoken about the forensics. These are all capacities that the, that the law enforcement and the NTA, NPA needs to bring into the system in a permanent way. That's why the discussion around where uh, the, the permanence of the investigative directorate and how that is capacitated has to uh, be ramped up. So I, I really appreciate the calls from Honourable to say that uh, the parliamentary committees can support this. This is a discussion we must have. I hope we'll have it uh, intensely in the coming months because it is something uh, that we simply need to recognize. We will not be able to keep pace uh, unless we, we start looking at the kinds of capacities that we need to bring in, not only to deal with the crimes we face today, but certainly the crimes we're going to have to face over the coming years. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Anton. Omar? Um. Uh, thank you very much um, for the question um, relating to the ABB uh, investigation. Um, Honorable Mente, the, the difference between um, the, the, this investigation and, and the one relating to, to a student, it's, it's that that one is a single transaction. But this one, as you can see, um, we, we're looking at contraventions of PRECA as well as possibly PFNA contraventions. Um, there's been certainly um, three senior counsels who's looked at, at this matter before it went to, to the SIU, and they found the conduct of, of um, the employees, um, you know, they found, they absorbed, they absorbed the conduct of the employees. So the case has already been to SIU, DPCI, uh, who is also investigating for us at the ID. And now it's with NPA, it just shows the complexity. But we cannot finalize the case without looking also at the evidence that's going to come out of Zondo Commission Report 3 uh, to see whether there are further additional people that may be implicated. So this is just how complicated these cases are. I've referred to the tetrabytes of 
data that's in this uh, cases. Uh, we do have some servers in some cases that we're going to look at the server that's called, uh, that has got the information to see whether they're not we are, we are not missing any information at all. Thank you very much for the question. Um, thank you, Advocate Rabaji. Um, Advocate Cock, um, is there any any point that you want to cover before? Think about the, the politicians that Honorable uh, mentioned, mentioned that there's just one politician that's been uh, prosecuted in John Block case. I know that's finalized uh, some a couple of years back. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Well, again, it depends on, uh, uh, thank you, NDPP. It depends on the suspects that we have in those, in all of those recommendations. I want to assure the committee and the public at large that it doesn't matter who you are. The evidence is going to uh, be strong and credible that those prosecutions will happen. So, so we agree with Advocate Matibi. Let's work closer. We will ramp up these investigations. We will work in a collaborative way. And then if it includes politicians that must be prosecuted, they will be prosecuted. But we are not targeting anybody in, 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 in our processes and our investigations. And ultimately, we're going to make all of those decisions based on the evidence. Thank you very much, NDPP. Um, thank you, uh, Rodney and Dr. Cook. Um, and, and I think, Honorable Member Mente, just also to say that there has been a strong focus of prosecutions in municipalities. So there's been a number of municipal officers that have been charged. Um, there have been a couple of racketeering authorizations that have come before my desk involving some uh, provincial uh, politicians which I won't mention, but not in the space of the, the SIU investigations, or it might be actually. Yeah, one of them certainly. But um, yeah, as Advocate Cox say, you know, says, we, we don't target people, but we certainly target the evidence. And if we have the evidence, it doesn't matter who's at the end of that, we will prosecute. Um, Honorable Chair, I think that's, that's the first, uh, those are the questions. I'm not sure if we've missed any. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, Honorable Portalasha. Thank you, very, thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Good day to you and all the leaders of the team that are present today. Colleagues, good day. Chair, in, in, in welcoming the report from both teams and appreciating the progress made, I wish I can raise the fact that if we could have received the, the, the presentations earlier so that we can recommend Maybe some of the things that we are dealing with today we might have dealt with prior. I'm saying this, Chair, because in the entire presentation from where I'm sitting, we need a collaboration as advocates uh, are suggesting that. But uh, my worry here is that the issues that are taken to policy directly, which I think, Chair, we need to interact with other relevant committees as COPA. I think it is our responsibility and in our interest to make sure that these matters are being concluded. Remember, Chair, we, the FPA is working in an environment that is not so, it's not so, 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 it is in fact hostile. Because South Africans have this feeling that you can get away with whatever crime in South Africa and nothing will happen to you. And if NPA 
as the sole institution that has a responsibility to make sure that we deal with corruption, is taking this long in its turnaround strategy. We are going to have problems. However, I want to seriously chair, uh, suggest that let's interact with other portfolio committees that are directly involved in all issues that are talking to policy so that we can, between ourselves, agree to say, say. It, is, it, is, it is important for them and all of us to conclude on the issues that talk to policy and so that we can allow everybody to be able to do what everybody is supposed to be doing. Because if, if you sit with those uh, forever, it means that you are keeping people at work while there is no work to do. So I want to suggest strongly to say from their report, let's quickly arrange a meeting between the two relevant portfolio committees and get to hear from them how are they going to frustrate these processes of the conclusion. And ourselves as COPA, we also contribute on how best can we do and work together. And that will be my first take. My second take, take Chair, is that I'm worried that there's a lot that has been sent by the SIU to, to NPA, and there's very little that is coming back. I want to suggest also to for us to get a detailed report on in which case and where it is. And also give the percentage. I see and I appreciate the number, but give us the actual percentage on the kind of work that we have managed to do and achieve. I hear ESCOM and Transnet. I think it is fine, but it cannot be the only two. There's a lot that we still need to hear from them. I also want to talk about the turnaround strategy. Uh, the advocate spoke about it, and it is a problem. I hear all of them, the team leaders and, and people who are giving more information, they have put all the answers in their mouths. But we don't need the answers in their mouth. We need them to be implemented. I hear a lot and very excited about the issues of forensic investigation, which advocate by the way, already Departments are wasting a lot of money in embarking into those, whilst government is claiming not to have money, which for me, that's serious contradiction. As we interact with different departments, you've got to hear that they, they are taking these matters to forensic investigation and so on, which we all know that is a quite expensive. But if government at that level can do that, why is that we cannot have a situation wherein it should be the treasurer that takes that, 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 that decision. And as a result, that money that the department wastes should not be the case, but the, 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 the treasurer should take that responsibility because from where we are sitting, myself in particular, I think this all is a waste of time because at the end, the, private, the forensic investigation, a lot of money has been wasted. In fact, things will have to come back to SIU. So as you are discussing about this forensic investigation, please note the fact that the, 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 the excuse that there is not enough money cannot stand the test of time because there is a lot of forensic investigation that are taking place in these different departments. Again, on the private funding, I wish we can be taken in confidence. I hear Advocate Badoi talking it extensively. But politically, we need a buy-in. So let the ministers concerned, Chair, come and engage with us. 
so that we can raise our fears and be taken on board and we get that kind of a trust. So, Che, I also get to hear that, in fact, all that I wanted to raise has been raised by other members, but in my lending, Che, the 10 around time is forever, and which for me is a problem. There are all the answers in everybody, but for where we are seated, we need a speed, speedily implementation. And if there's a need for us to talk with anybody beyond the minister and portfolio committees, let us be advised. Chair, we are fearing a, a, a situation where the, 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 the situation outside there is not so friendly. And this thing or a perception that says you can get away with murder in South Africa creates more problems because the crime escalates, because people have got this, if I would wait for justice, it will never happen. So let me take it. The problem. So I am I'm appealing to say, as I listen to the presentation detailed, I guess there is a lot that still need to be done. And ourselves as committee, we need to come in and assist and do whatever we can do to make sure that the policy matters have been concluded. The turnaround time should be clearer and should be monitored to say, how far do you want to go with this situation that you are facing today in South Africa? But also, Chair, is the very last one. The NPA has just, again, dropped the ball. They have been so, so good in taking the society on board with the kind of work that they are doing. I guess they must go back and do that because once people don't know what you guys are doing, what are your difficulties, of course, they might not be responsible, but it's good to articulate those. They will be fine to say at least something is being done because the perception now is that nothing is being done. Nobody cares. Everybody does as he or she wishes. And it's a problem for the society that we are existing in because it talks to what all the wrong things might be allowed to happen because there is a, 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 no consequences anyway. So that would be my take, Chair. Uh, thank you very much. And I, 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 that's, that, that's my contribution. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Tolasha. In essence, justice delayed justice deny. When the country ends for justice, that's how things tend to be. Um, Honorable, yes. Honorable, yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, and good morning to everyone. Mr. Chairman, the... Um, I mean, a great deal has been said, and, and I'm not going to repeat it, but I, I need to build on it. Honorable Tolasha is completely correct when she says there is money, but it's being spent in the wrong way. We know that we are borrowing whatever it is, 1.5 billion rand a day as a country, and that we're spending far too much. But the way we're spending the money seems to me to be in a way that just doesn't achieve the sort of outcomes that we would like. 
and particularly when it comes to, to this justice um, being seen to be done. In the current financial year, we're quite happy to spend 13 billion rand on a vanity project that's SAA. But we can't pay the money to make sure that criminals are put behind bars. And Mr. Chairman, actually, this, this is, is what we hear every time we get this brief. And every time we all agree that there must be more resources put into this. And the next time the um, NDPP comes, or uh, we hear that there, there's a resource challenge. I mean, it, it's just outrageous, really, that we can spend money elsewhere, but in key aspects, we don't spend it. So vanity projects, that's okay, but no, no, no. Let's not put, make it too easy for these criminals to be put behind bars. And one wonders why. Why? Is it too close to home? I wonder about that. And so the, what also surprises me is that we, it's quite clear from this morning, although it's been somewhat clear in previous meetings, but it's quite clear from this morning that this so-called fusion center and MOU and all these kind of nice words that we've been hearing, and that I asked about the, at our, one of our early, earlier meetings this year, simply isn't working. And yet, we have the successful model of the scorpions. It worked. And so my question is, why do we not simply take a model we know works, fund it properly, give it the resources? It was incredibly successful. It was shut down for political reasons, but we know it worked. Why don't we set that up? Is that on the agenda or is it something that the NDPP and the SIU and other agencies would support. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Honorable Lewis. Uh, NTPP? Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, on the, on, the, on the question of um, um, uh, yeah, the forensic capacity, I agree it shouldn't be an issue of, of funding and money because you know, a lot of money is being spent by government, various government departments, uh, an insane amount of money on these investigations. So, um, you know, I think we will, it, it, there'll have to be a sort of transition process because work still needs to continue while, while the, the, the capacity is being built up. But I agree it, it needs to be speeded up and it needs to really get the support of all, the whole of government, um, the relevant departments to get that capacity. Um, and, and on the issue of the NPA dropping the ball in terms of, you know, really explaining what we do and in terms of, you know, the impression that nothing's been done. I think we must take some, some lessons from our SRU colleagues who really do well at, at, at marketing and in terms of, you know, communicating what they do. And so for us, we really need to ramp up communications. As I said earlier, we know where we're near where we want to be, but there's really lots of good work that's being done that really needs to be communicated better um, and we'll certainly work on that. And I agree with you, Chair. Justice delayed is justice denied. And, and we have a serious problem in our country. And, and it's not just with regard to corruption. It's a whole, whole range of different crime types. 
every day, you know, you see videos circulating of brazen criminals in our country, you know, sort of committing crimes almost in full view of the public. Yet it seems like it's, 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 there's impunity. And so, you know, I agree that the capacity is in law enforcement generally, particularly in the SAPs, really, really has to be ramped up considerably, you know, so that we can, again, you know, people cannot think that they can commit crimes in this country and, and, and there's no justice. With regard to, you know, um, uh, Honorable Lise, um, your questions, uh, the other questions were by Honorable Tolashe, I think. Um, is there any other issues on that? Um, um, I think, yeah, we, 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 on the issue of the private sector funding, I agree there needs to be strong buy-ins from government from all sectors. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a delicate balance, but I think it can be done. It can be done without compromising the independence and objectivity of certainly the NPA. And we really need to, to explore these options that we are able to strike this balance because it's, it's critical. We need some very highly specialized skills that are available in the private sector, that the private sector is willing to actually support and assist with. So we really need to look at how we can strike that balance in terms of, of the question from, from Honorable Lise on, on, on how we spend our money, I should perhaps emphasize that the budget of the NPA is slightly over 4 billion rands. It's 4.2 or 4.4 thereabouts, Anton will confirm. Um, it's, it's a small budget in the context of government spending as a whole. Um, you know, our, our partners in the SEPs underspent by about 4 billion rands last year, I think. So the, the NPA's budget is really, really very small. And so in terms of the work it has to do, fighting crime, not just in the corruption space, but in the whole of, with regard to all the various complex crime types, um, I do think, and look, let me also say that government has been very forthcoming in terms of supporting the NPA, in terms of giving it budget to, to, to do its work. And so, you know, um, we've also got an increase in our allocation for the next three years, and Anton can give us some more details if we need it. So, you know, there's the NPA is certainly being supported, but you know, and, you know, it's not as as I think it was. Um, it was Honorable Tolashe who who talked about the NPA being the sole entity to deal with corruption. It's not the sole entity to deal with corruption. And that is where the challenge is. Certainly in the investigating directorate where we are capacitating that, yes, that will be because they investigate and prosecute. But majority of the cases that we prosecute are investigated in the DPCI. And so we have to look at how we can, and, and I'm really repeating what I said earlier in terms of the importance of making sure that the DPCI is properly capacitated to be able to bring us quick, speedy, and really high quality investigations that we can move on. And the final question by Honorable Lise about would we support the, the Scorpions? Absolutely. You know, there's, I think government is taking too long to decide on, on the issue of the single entity, as they put it, uh, put, as has been mentioned. Um, it's, it, we've had, of course, the Scorpions was not perfect, but we have... We've taken lessons from that and we have a model that we know works. And so the investigating directive that is being set up is, is certainly, it's kind of halfway there because it's, it's an entity that, that is meant to work with the different capacities and disciplines under one roof being a prosecution-led model. 
but the challenge with, with, with it is that it's sitting in a very weak legal framework because when the Scorpions were dissolved and the relevant sections of the NPA Act were removed, um, then one of the important sections that were removed is the ability of the NPA to hire criminal investigators. Now, that's not in the NPA Act at the moment. And of course, you have an investigating directorate that needs criminal investigators. So this has been one of the big challenges that we've faced in terms of trying to really capacitate the ID properly. We've been engaging with our colleagues in the SAPs, even looking at at the SAPs creating a unit where they will hire criminal investigators, second them to the ID, and we will pay them from our budget, um, you know, for those investigators. So, so certainly, you know, I, I do think that you know government is really taking too long and perhaps dragging its feet on the single entity. We really need to make these decisions fast. The ID is being set up, and whatever or wherever, however, the single entity, whatever government decides, it's certainly it's been capacitated. And it's you know to be the single entity to to prosecute to investigate and prosecute complex corruption, but we need a stronger legal framework to for us to be really able to capacitate the ID, and and yeah we would certainly support um, something like maybe Scorpions version two, uh, you know taking from the lessons because it was certainly not perfect, but you know we can we can certainly improve on that. Thank you, Chair. Well, thank you very much. Uh... Uh, and the PP and uh, uh, thanks, colleagues. It looks like uh, we have exhausted uh, those who want to contribute, and and as well, unfortunately, time is uh, is against us. Uh, what would uh, uh, move for uh, could be that uh, the NDPP uh, provide us uh, with a fairly uh, a, a detailed. Um, account on on the specificity uh, of of those referrals um, which have been made finalized uh, 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 referred to them by the by the SIU um, and and that would be necessary because uh, through that report would uh, find a specific reference to those who need. A further investigation, and uh, those uh, the SIU have made a headway uh, in terms of their own process uh, to uh, recover uh, necessary uh, proceeds of crime, and and uh, when referred to uh, the the NPA, what are those things which are somewhat not reliant uh, as per that finalized SIU investigation? So those specific instances would be very necessary because here you could detect that uh, there's, there's, there's somewhat wastage because SIU would, would get into depth in terms of their own uh, requirement and making such investigations, uh, determine and take some of those uh, into the uh, referral to uh, the, the, the courts and, and uh, make some referrals to uh, NPA. Uh, but though NPA is insisting that they ought to investigate those referrals uh, when uh, they have uh, received them uh, because they want to assure uh, on a qualitative uh, instance that such uh, would make 
a light in terms of prosecution. So, 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 so we would really need to get at that point. I think uh, Honorable Sisi's reference on the on the money side was was reliant on that fact that that through that meal, uh, there's a repetitive uh, instance uh, of keeping on doing the same thing. Maybe a proposition uh, that uh, you must be involved earlier in that process could could rather in avoidance or uh, in collaboration, do the same thing, which will take you through uh, in terms of uh, a long time avoidance uh, to deal with those uh, uh, matters and finalize them. And, 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 and so we really need that uh, a specific uh, reference to those uh, matters. You know, when, when, when we, uh, we as well uh, advance a point in terms of our report to parliament, uh, if we want to make a case in this instance uh, on the matters that you have referred on and you're strong on, we must get that because our own uh, uh, insistence was that let's move from the SIU report and be able to see where the country stands and how can we uh, as well foster some kind, foster some kind uh, of an arrangement which is going to make things faster. It's, it's good for those who are uh, who stand to uh, be suspects, and it's good for those who have been uh, somewhat on the, on the side of receiving such in, infringements that these matters must be finalized. The quicker they're finalized, the better, uh, you see, uh, for justice, uh, you see, to so, 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 so prevail in that, in that instance. So, 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 so uh, we urge the, the NTPP to, to just uh, look into those uh, kinds of uh, details in terms of those uh, uh, referrals which have been made uh, by the SIU. Secondly, uh, is that I think uh, Honorable Tolash is making a, a critical point that you have raised a number of policy-related matters. And those policy-related matters, they are somewhat uh, uh, infringements in terms of uh, uh, seeing you succeeding uh, in, in the primary factor, uh, which is your core competency um, as, a, as, a, as a functionary of state uh, to finalize and, and improve uh, the sense of justice uh, in, the, in the country. So, so uh, we would need to understand them because these have been raised with us. We must understand uh, how do they feel where such at things stand, it might be some form of uh, engagement between us and and uh, that, uh, that 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 committee. And 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 lastly, we are doing this uh, uh, knowing very well. The president has received the final report of the SIU uh, in terms of the uh, PPE uh, expenditure, and uh, the expectation by all of us uh, is that. Now that that report has been handed to the president, and, and the, the president is edgy to ensure that there is uh, somewhat something done on those matters you have been uh, identified uh, at, that, at that point. So the noise uh, would be, why are there delays when these things uh, have been somewhat tabled, somewhat referred, and, and the failure uh, where does it stand? So, so, so that kind of a, a, a detailed presentation would as well assist 
uh, in popularizing uh, the steps uh, which are somewhat followed uh, even uh, at the point of the finalization uh, of those uh, uh, kinds uh, of, uh, of reports. Yes, indeed, a lot of work is being done through the fusion center, which is so appreciable, and, and through collaboration, we could enhance our ability as a state to deal with these complex, uh, complex matters. So, so, so in appreciation uh, uh, of the work that you do, uh, uh, being uh, wary uh, of the uh, instances of uh, lapse on some of the matters, uh, mitigate, mitigated quite uh, strongly uh, on the areas that you have identified, which you think you must move towards, it would be good that uh, there is an enhanced ability uh, which is driving both institutions, the SIU and uh, the, uh, uh, the NDPP's uh, drive uh, with your team to, to succeed uh, when there are such a, a kinds of reference. Um, so in appreciation of your, of, your, of your report and the engagements by colleagues, uh, we, we wish to thank you very much um, not unless you'd want to have one or two closing uh, remarks, I give you a minute to do so. Thank you, Chair. Um, uh, no, just, just on your request, Chair, uh, for the detailed account and specificity. Um, we, the last time we presented before SCOPA, we presented with the DPCI as well, because all of these investigations are with the DPCI, and they have all the information regarding the status, but also there's, we need to strike a balance between how much of information we can share on this public platform about the status of investigations, how far they've gone, because these are, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, it's, it's a difficult balance to strike. And I mentioned it to... to understood, to, understood. Yes, is squarely with the DPCI, because they have all mm. the referrals with them. So, mm. you know, they will have to prepare the report and, you know, but, but we've got to be very careful about what we share. So I'm just trying mm. to understand how we do this, how we actually mm. comply with your request, uh, mm. whilst we don't compromise investigations. And also knowing that these are all in the investigation phase. So it's, it's not in the NPA phase, although we do guide and work with the DPCI yes. on more complex matters. So okay. um, we'll see how we can try to address that, uh, working with the DPCI, and, and, and we'll come back to you, Chair. Uh, no, no, thank you very no, no problem. No problem. Uh, no problem. We fully understand uh, that uh, there must be no loopholes uh, in terms of you informing ourselves and the public, and, and therefore your, your openness should be safely guided. But, but indeed, for us to be able to speak on these matters, to advance your voice as well, uh, we need to appreciate uh, the uh, actual tenacity uh, of such aspects which are hindrance in as far as your ability to do what is your primary responsibility uh, in terms of prosecuting and prosecuting successfully. Thank so you, thank Chair. You if I may for, finally yeah. also thank the committee for, for we take all your, all your questions very, very seriously. We understand the frustrations very, very much. And, and um, you know, thank you for your support and, and 
and your oversight role, um, we know we, we have to deliver and we need to deliver much faster. We are really trying very, very hard, but it's, it's complicated and we'll try to, to give you a better understanding of the, of the challenges. But no matter, we are still, we're far from where we started and, and I'm quite positive about, about the outlook moving forward. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, colleagues. Uh, the meeting adjourns. Thank you, thank you, colleagues. Where is my chairman? Has not made it totally. Underground. <laughs> come on, come on. I should not see him releasing statements after his absence in this meeting. <laughs>